Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Kevin Kaufman, your host of the Kevin and Fred Next Level Podcast, the podcast where we bring you weekly business tips and tricks, as well as in-depth interviews with leading minds in real estate and entrepreneurship to help you take your business to the next level. NLA Live 2020 is around the corner. NLA Live 2020 will be held in Scottsdale, Arizona at the Talking Stick Resort. It is it a beautiful hotel and casino? And we have an incredible lineup of speakers that we'll be announcing here shortly. You can find out more information and get the very best deal on pricing by visiting nextlevelagents.com and clicking on our events page. We look forward to seeing you there. Again, nextlevelagents.com and click on the event page. All right, Next Level Podcast listeners, we're back, and this week I'm joined with my buddy Jeff Glover. Jeff, how's it going today, man? Doing well. Thanks for having me on, Kevin. Dude, I'm so excited. Glad we could finally do this. It took, took us a little while, uh, but I'm yeah. stoked to finally have you on the podcast. Uh, I've had the opportunity to know you and learn from you quite a bit over the years, and yep. got uh, your business. Ditto, by the way. Thank you. Yep. I appreciate that. Your business... Um, you know, so it's been one I've always admired. It's uh, it's significantly different than mine, uh, but that is actually one of the things I love the most about our industry is there's not one way to do it. There's not yep. one way to slice the bread, if you will. And, uh, you know, highlighting people that do things a certain way and are really committed to, to their business and what is important to them is something that I've always admired and that's something I've always admired about you. So thanks for coming cool. on. Today. Yeah, no, no, no. Appreciate it. Why don't we start, tell us like background, like how did you, how long you been in real estate? Let's start there. And what made you get into real estate? Yeah. So I've been, uh, I've been in the business now 17 years, got licensed in 03. Um, so yeah, I guess that's 16, 17 years, you know, in Michigan, you can get licensed when you're nine, right? No, I'm kidding. So I got, as soon as I turn 18, I get that all the time. But when I tell, when I'm out on appointments and people ask me how long I've been doing this, I'm like 17 years. I tell, I'm telling you, every time I get this puzzled look, like, all right. They're doing he, the math in their head real quick. Like, uh, did he get in the family business? Like something's not adding up here. So no, as soon as I turned 18, I went and got my license and um, been doing it 17 years. Yeah, you know, that's not the normal path too. Like most of us in real estate, it tends to be like a second or even third career yeah. for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so to so, watch this. So it actually was, so it actually was a second or third career for me because when I was in high school, uh, I was the number one circuit city salesperson in the state of Michigan. And I was in the top 200 in the com in the country as a 16 year old in high school. And when I turned 17, I went and sold furniture. So, uh, you know, obviously a, a, a living room set is a higher ticket price than somebody buying a TV or back then a lot of people were buying home theater systems. Um, so I went and actually sold furniture for a year, year and a half. And then, then I got into business of real estate. Dude. Okay. Uh, so is there like, is the sales running your family or did you just no, know that was your deal? I, honestly, um, I went, my, my parents were divorced when I was 10 and uh, like most, I probably like most, I live with my mom. And um, once I got to, um, well, and she had moved to, to a, a lesser income or not so great part of town, if you will. And uh, once I got to, to high school year, um, we decided that, that um, to send me to a better school district. And they wanted to, my parents wanted me to go to a better school district. So I went to a better school district, but because, you know, we weren't the wealthiest family, I had, I lived in a, in a trailer park in a wealthy community, which is in this particular part of town is kind of like an oxymoron. Like most people don't, didn't even know that this trailer park existed. 
And so, you know, when a lot of the kids in high school were getting 500 or a thousand bucks for their school clothes, I was getting a hundred bucks and it was just, I wanted to be like everyone else. Like everyone wants to fit in. Right. Like, so I wanted to be like everyone else. And I just figured the only way I was going to be like everyone else is if I could make money to go buy the things and do the things that they were doing. You know, everyone was like, it's so funny because I remember to this day, the teachers used to joke about how the students were driving nicer cars than the teachers. Uh, because that's just, you know, in, in this community, that's how it was. So I just knew that I needed to go make money. And, you know, it was after football practice one day, I just walked into a circuit city. Somebody, somebody had told me to go get a job in commission sales. And so, um, you know, that's where the most money is and, uh, walked into the circuit city and the, you know, manager hired me and I learned, learned how to sell, learn how to, you know, the basics of selling, right? Like features and benefits selling and how to qualify and select and close and, you know, so I, I learned retail sales, if you will. Dude, that's awesome. Uh, I, by the way, I didn't know that part of the story. Like, I, I love that. Uh, similar, I've got a similar background and similar experience and, you know, started earning money as soon as I could. Uh, yeah. You know, whether it was kind of doing the baseball card hustle before that or, you know, getting a job and a paper out, things like that. And yeah. you know, it took me a little longer to discover sales uh, yeah. than, than you did. But that's, that's pretty awesome. And I really appreciate that about you. Uh, thanks yeah. for sharing that. So, sure. okay. So what, but why, but why did you jump in? So you're doing well, you're obviously, you did well at circuit city. Uh, I'm assuming you probably did well at the furniture place too. Yeah. What was it about? Was it just cause you were old enough? Like, or cause yeah, it was no, the next so, biggest ticket. Yeah. So uh, I was a senior in high school and I had to make some decisions. All my friends were going away to college. You know, they were either going to Michigan state or Western Michigan or just a school that was a couple hours away from, from Detroit. And, um, you know, I, I got a lot of advice from, from teachers at school and they said, Hey, well, you know, if you're really liking this, you know, I was a senior in high school, I was already making 60, 65 grand a year part-time. So my teachers in school were like, well, it sounds like sales is kind of for you. What do you want to go to college for? And I said, well, I want to go to college to run businesses. You know, I want to be, I want to be in management. I want to be in leadership. And, um, they said they essentially in some way or another convinced me to stay back and go to community college and um, get into real estate because, you know, senior year, you start exploring different careers and what you want to do and so forth. And I, I knew I was doing pretty well in sales and yeah, a higher, a higher ticket uh, price. And so I stayed back and did college, not necessarily part-time. I mean, I still did like 10 to 14 credit hours. So I wasn't, it wasn't a heavy load. It was a light load. Uh, But, and then, and then sold furniture and sold real estate. So I did three, all three things for a good three first two three years in the business wow and were you so i happen to know this and i want to go in deeper on this here in a little bit but were you prospecting based from the get-go or when you're 18 that's hard enough as a new agent to get business but when you're 18 i gotta imagine like you yeah you've got a you've got a baby face anyway so i gotta imagine when you're 18 like you were uh, that was an uphill battle like how were you getting business so watch this so when i worked at the furniture store uh, Art Van Furniture, it's a Midwest chain now. They were only in Michigan at the time. When I worked in the furniture store, um, no, really, they, they didn't want to hire me. And, and one of the stores, I went into a store that was in a probably mid-class to maybe lower-class area, and they were like, oh, this guy is kind of sophisticated. I came in in a suit and tie all ready to go, you know, and they knew I was, you know, they knew I was from kind of a nicer part of town. They, they said, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start you in the clearance center which is an area where basically everyone drops their customers. We're going to start you in the clearance center 
and we're going to give you a book. You know, it was about this thick of all of the um, uh, all of the layaways, right? So this is a lower income part of town. So a lot of people came in and did layaway. Forgive me, my light just went off. Hold on. It's all good. It's one of those that, like, if I'm not oh, waving, yeah. it, um, we're gonna we're gonna give you this book. It was it was literally this thick, and it was all white pages of all these orders and these people it's kind of like in the real estate business today it's like orphan clients you know the agents that leave the business it's all the layaways from the salespeople that were no longer at the company and so basically they said whenever you're not greeting whenever customers aren't aren't back there we want you to stand by one of these phones and just call through this book and convince these people to come in and pay off their furniture so you know basically i kind of had a, this was a kind of a foreign thing for them. They didn't really have a script for it. So I kind of had to write my own script and that's what I did. I just one after another, Hey, this is Jeff Glover with Art Van. Uh, I know you came in and put a deposit down on that mattress. Uh, are you ready to get it picked up? Are you ready to get it delivered? You know, I'm showing our quantity is looking pretty low here and you got a great price. It hasn't been, you know, it just basically convinced these people to pay off their furniture. And if I could convince them to come in and pay off their furniture and get it delivered, then they would put me on those deals. So when I was essentially, I started Circuit City when I was 15. So when I was 17 or 16, 17 selling furniture, I was just back there making these calls, convincing people to come in and pay off their furniture. And then it was just kind of natural to me when I turned 18 and got into real estate that in order to get business, because obviously people weren't walking into the real estate office, in order to get business, I have to call someone. And I, I, at first I was, I was literally just calling like right out of a phone book around the house that I grew up in. And then I went to a class maybe a month into the business. It was Floyd, a Floyd Wickman class. And um, you know, that's when I learned about calling for sale by owners and expireds. And I, I had a book of scripts and um, you know, just, just started prospecting like from day one. And so I was licensed in July or June of Oh three and once I finally found the scripts and the sources of business to really go after, because I was doing like handwritten cards and cold calling, which is not ineffective, it's just not as effective as calling for sale by owners and expired. So once I learned of that method, uh, I think I took a, a class in, in July, August. Fortunately, they had come to town. And uh, that September, I took eight listings. That October, I took 10 listings. And I just, I was just prospecting like crazy. I didn't know any better. I just thought that that's what everyone did. <laughs> that's awesome. You know, it's so funny. Anytime I talk to a newer agent that uh, has success right, like that right away, that's, that's the typical response is, isn't that what everybody does? Um, yeah. Because they're told, hey, this works. And then they actually go out and do it. Yeah. Uh, and they make they're the phone calls better. and they get, they, they see success. And it, yep. it's funny how simple, uh, it's hard work, but it's funny how simple success in this business really can be. Yep. Yeah. Now, so, so tell me about, okay, so that's 2003. So it, you started having success very early, which doesn't surprise me at all. Um, mm -hmm. When did you like, tell me about the, pro the progression of your business. When did it start to become a business? Meaning you weren't the only person involved anymore. Yeah. So in 2003, that was my first year in the business. So 04 was like my first full year. Uh, I think I sold 32 or 33 homes my first year, um, maybe 130, 140,000 in income. And um, from there, I was, remember, I was still going to college to, to get into business management. So I approached my brokerage and said, hey, I want to run, you know, I want to run real estate offices or I want to get involved in, in, in management. You know, of course, I'm 20, now I'm 19 years old, hotshot real estate agent, sold 32 homes in the first year. I got this thing all figured out. 
And my broker wouldn't really take a chance on me. You know, we had 16, we had a 16 office franchise and he said I wasn't seasoned enough, which of course at the time, it's kind of like up yours, buddy. But now that I'm seven, 16, 17 years in the business, it's like I kind of respect it actually. But there was a broker, a competing broker in town. They had 15 offices and about 600 agents and they were willing to take a chance on me. And so uh, in 05, I took over one of their offices. It was basically their most failed office. Their, the previous broker left and opened his own brokerage. And I said, I want to learn how to train and recruit and speak and train and motivate. And so um, that's what I did. And for two years, I grew that office from, I started with six agents. It, it was an office that had 50 agents. The, the, the broker left and took, you know, 44, 45, 43 of them. And so there was six agents left when I got there. And um, so I did that for two years. Basically, basically like what you think of today, you know, a team leader or a, a office manager, depending on the franchise, they call them different things. But basically, I was responsible for recruiting and training the agents in that office. And so uh, I did that uh, from 05 to 07, uh, two years in a row, I won the like top recruiter award for Cole Banker uh, in Michigan and, you know, brought the office back up to 50 agents. And um the economy crashed in 2007, 2008 in Detroit. It was a couple of years before everyone else around the country. And the, the company decided to go from 15 offices down to nine offices. Well, I was kind of one of the offices that was like in the middle of two powerhouse offices. So mine, mine and even though we had built it, we were max capacity, uh, mine closed and about six others closed. And from there, they promoted me to uh, director of training and recruiting for their nine offices and about 450 agents that were left. And so that's the, from there, I, I basically got back into sales. So now we're, we're fast forward to about 08, I guess, 07, 08. I got back into sales and I did the training and recruiting for, for the company. Um, but I wasn't, I wasn't like building a team or anything like that. I was really focused on the training and recruiting for all of the offices. Let me ask you this question, man, because, um, I'm really curious. You've got unique experience having gone and sort of built up your own, your own sales business. Then you, you go into management almost right away and then yeah. you, you had success there. Like what, what are the, like, what were the differences? What were the things that were maybe similar and what were the, some of the things that were different or harder than you had anticipated uh, going into that type of role when you're now recruiting and training other agents, like what did you yeah. learn from that? And like, what were some of the, maybe the harder lessons during that time? Yeah. Well, uh, I'll never forget my, one of my first mentors, Kathy Schweitzer, still, I still consider a mentor to this day. Um, she, she was the owner of the company or the manager of the managers, if you will. Um, she called a meeting with me because uh, I was rubbing a few agents the wrong way and I even made an agent cry. And, you know, she had an agent in her office that was crying about how I was doing things. And what I learned was, was I learned all about versatility and I lacked versatility. You know, I came in, of course, I was 19, 20 years old. This is no excuse, but you know, my way or the highway, this worked for me. If, if it doesn't work for you, you're a loser. Like, what are you doing? You know, I was, I was real, real passionate and strong in my approach. And so I learned how to uh, relate and communicate uh, in other people's language at a very high level because I was forced to, uh, you know, I, I felt like, you know, almost like my job was on the line if I couldn't figure this piece out. So I started taking 
I hate to say it, but I started taking interest in others <laughs> uh, and, and communicating at a, at a higher level and, and with a lot of versatility. And so I would say that that was one of my heart, one of my harder lessons um, in terms of what I was doing different or similar. I mean, the biggest thing is, is that I was willing similar to sales. I was, I was one of the few managers that was willing to pick up the phone and prospect like crazy for these agents, you know, and I would double book myself. I would do everything I could to get an agent to come to my office. And, um, you know, cause I say double book cause there was normally a 40 to 50% no show ratio or, or at least someone's going to cancel. Um, and I just, I just prospected like crazy. And I did, um, I did the, you may remember, um, rich rector had this, uh, method, um, um, basically is before the whole needs analysis approach, but basically it was, I, I would recruit to a, a business strategy coaching opportunity, right? And you're going to meet with me and there's no obligation. I'm going to help you grow your business with the understanding that if you ever left your brokerage, you would consider us. And so, you know, these agents would come in and meet with me and I would, I would do that. There would be, you know, I would never turn that conversation into a recruiting conversation. I would, take a lot of notes and ask a ton of things about their business. And um, we'd meet for appointment number two. And I'd always have three to five things that I think they could do or think that they could implement. And um, I think because there was no, I really think one of the biggest things that, that stood out and that helped, I was never once selling Coldwell Banker or my, or anything we were doing as a company. Now, part of that script you mentioned you know, a testimonial you give, Oh, do you know so-and-so from our office? Right. Do you know, Kathy Elias from our office, she implemented this database plan or whatever. And she took her business from X to X. So there would be some, um, subliminal, uh, recruiting, if you will, in there, but it was really stuff they could take away and go do on their own. They wouldn't have to have to join the company. So, uh, I took that very seriously. Again, I didn't know any better. I didn't know, you know, that, that, you know, that, that, that's, that's all I knew at the time, I guess. Uh, it's awesome though, because you're, I mean, you're leading with value, which I think at the end of the day, it's core to our business. I mean, this is a, this is a relationship business, no matter what, what whether you look at it from the uh, standpoint of agent to agent, whether you're recruiting agents yeah. or you're dealing with your buyers or sellers at the end of the day, we, we all get our leads differently, but this is still a relationship business. And, and that's truthfully what you were doing is you were leading by providing value, which, which builds yeah. a relationship and sure. that puts you in second place, if you will, or first consideration if and when they want to make a change. Absolutely. Yep. 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 So uh, from there I decided, you know what? Um, I, I wanted to get back into sales. I was uh, sales is where, where my heart was. I learned how to manage. I spent technically from Oh five to 08 in management. So in my mind, five, six, seven, eight. so three, four years when you're in your young twenties is a long time. <laughs> you yeah, know? It is. I got, I got the management experience, so I'm ready to go. So uh, January or just the January of 08, uh, I got back into sales full time. It was me. And there was a guy that was in one of my training classes. He said, Hey, I want to work for you. I said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my thing. I really don't have a position open. I didn't have any money to, I didn't have an assistant. I didn't have money to, I mean, I was making enough money in management to where I knew what I needed to do, but I wasn't, I wasn't ready to write a check for 36,000 a year to pay a salary to someone. Right. So I'm like, Hey, basically all I got for you is maybe you can make some calls and I can pay you referral fees and stuff off the things you generate. And this particular gentleman, he's like, I'd love that. I hate going on appointments. I'd love to just stay back and prospect for you. Is that something we could work out? Wow. So between the two of us, 
uh, that year in 2008, we did 102 transactions and um, he was making anywhere from 60 to 70 contacts a day. And I was responsible for about 30 to 35 a day. And, um, you know, I was my, I was the buyer's agent. I was the listing agent. I was the assistant. I was, you know, I, I, I was working crazy hours, but um, you know, we, we hit a hundred that year and that was the first year we did a hundred. That's awesome, dude. So, so, so then, did backwards, right? So my first hire, you know, people talk about following the MREA or the Red Book and this and that. No, I, my first hire was an ISA by accident, right? Someone approached me and said, can I prospect for you? Like, well, that seems to make sense. Well, I'm on appointments. You stay back and prospect. So his schedule was 10, 10 in the morning until 8 p.m. And basically my schedule was like eight in the morning until 10 p.m. But uh, I did the morning calls and he did the evening, you know, afternoon dials. Wow. That's dude, that's, that's insane. So tell me about that. so like, how does your business start to start to develop from there? Like, I know that you obviously, your team has grown significantly since that point, um, yeah. both in transaction volume size, but number yeah. of people that are around you, but your, yeah. your business overall has grown too, because you've got into brokerages, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so, and, and coaching as well. So like, how does this start to evolve and just get to be that this big? Yeah. So I, I would say during the early years, um, I don't know where this came from, but it's kind of something I share now when people ask, okay, where do I start or whatever? And I always say, you have to be able to create the problem. You got to create the problem. And the problem that I created for myself is that I had more business that I could handle on my own. And so, you know, by hiring an ISA first, and I know some would argue that it's probably backwards, but by hiring an ISA first, it created a problem. And the problem was, is that I was, I had more seller opportunities than I could even handle on my own, right? I had more administration work that I could handle on my own. So I created a problem. I created a problem that forced myself to go out and actually, again, totally backwards. My first agent hire was a listing agent uh, because I wasn't even really working with many buyers. You know, back then you couldn't really buy buyer leads. The only buyer lead you got was sign calls and, and sellers you know, who were buying and I hated open houses. So I wasn't doing those. So my first hire was actually a listing agent and I took all the A and B stuff and, and he went all on all of the C and D stuff. And next thing you know, I'm doing the administration for the two of us. So we have to hire an administrative person right away. So I could see kind of the light at the end of the tunnel. I could see the pendings, the listings, and you know, I, I we, we hired an assistant. So there was an ISA, an assistant, myself, and a listing agent. And then finally, we, right, right around that same time, we added a buyer's agent. And, um, you know, that was the year we went from, from 100 deals to, um, I think we added another 60 deals the next year, so 160 deals. But I had a little bit more of my life back. I had a little bit more of my time back. Um, and, and I was still, you know, grinding it out and prospecting every day as a listing agent. And quite honestly, that was the growth period was essentially from 09, you know, I, I opened the doors, we opened our, we went out and got our own space and opened up our own office in January of 09. Um, and from 2009 to about 2013, 2014, it was just basically building on that model. All right. We got to add more ISAs because we have more listing agents. So we got way too many opportunities. We got to add more listing agents. Oh, now we have buyer, we have more buyer opportunities. We got to add more buyer. So it was always, it always Kevin went back to, creating the problem. And the problem is we need to create more business than we can handle with our current staff. If we can continue to create more business than we can handle with our current staff, then that will force us to grow. That'll force us to have to go out and hire either operations or showing agents or whatever. And that, that was the focus during those, during those years. 
Absolutely. I, I would, and, you know, I think, um, I think it's been said, you know, essentially until that becomes your problem, your problem is making that your problem, right? Like yeah. the problem is you don't have, if you don't have enough business, then your problem is getting more business. And then Correct. what you do is you actually go out and get the business like you did. And that starts creating problems, if you will. I need more leverage. I need some, I need more ISAs, more listing agents, more mm -hmm. administrative help, et cetera. And that is, that's, it's still a problem nonetheless, right? Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's a good problem, it's a good but problem. It's, yeah. it's still a problem to have. And, yeah. it, you know, if that's not your problem, then your problem is you don't have enough business. And that's, that's well, a bigger problem. It sounds so basic, uh, but so many agents think that by creating a team, they're going to create this big business. And no, you, you create a big business by creating that problem. And then guess what happens? You attract other people. Other people want to work for you because they see what you're creating. They see what you're able to accomplish on your own or with you and a couple other people. Next thing you know, they're calling and saying, I want in on that versus going out and getting the people and saying, all right, let's get in the conference room. Everyone meet Monday at nine. We're going to talk about how we're going to build this thing. We're going to talk about how we're going to generate leads. You got to have that piece figured out first. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't have that, if you don't have that piece figured out, everything else is going to be twice as hard as it has to be uh, because you'll never be able to hire the right people. You can't, you know, Gary, Gary Keller said it to me, this said it to me this way. And I'm sure you were probably in the room at the same time is you can't force uh, you can't force your growth through, through just by hiring more people. You actually have to yeah. force that kind of growth through growth of your business by having more yeah. deals, having, you know, in your case, more leads, more opportunities, mm -hmm for listing yeah. agents, et cetera, then you know what to do with. That's, yeah. that's where true growth in the business comes from. Yep, absolutely. So, so, okay, so tell me about what does the business look like today? When you, if I was to walk into the Glover team and um, just sort of look around, like what would I see? Yeah, so you'd see, um, so we have about total, total in, in what we call JGA, Jeff Glover and Associates, we have 60 people. And uh, of the 60, um, we're spread between two kind of what we call main offices or what people would refer to as hubs. We have two hubs, one on the west side of Detroit, one on the east side of Detroit. And then we have some agents working in different parts of the state that, uh, you know, essentially are connected to those hubs in one way or another. And so of the 60 people, we have 30 OSAs and what we call OSAs are outside sales agents. Uh, we don't have buyer's agents. We don't have listing agents. They're OSAs. They work both. And quite frankly, they're actually mostly listing heavy. One of the things, because again, I didn't know any better. I thought everyone was supposed to be good listing agents. <laughs> so we've been really good at training people how to prospect for listings and go out and get business for listings. And, and um, still to this day, to join our team, uh, you have to be an inside sales associate for a certain amount of time, depending on your experience. And during that time as an inside sales associate, we're going to train you all of the scripts in order to generate listing leads. So then once you become an OSA, whether you're in the program for 90 days or six months, that's usually the range, 90 days to six months. So once you become an OSA, you've already had all the conversations with all the sellers you need to, to be able to go out and present and overcome objections and have knowledge of that side of the business and so forth. So, um, we got, th we got 30 of those, 30 OSAs, and all of them, 100% of them, started as ISAs. Now, they might have been brand new to the business, or they might have been experienced from, from other companies, but everyone had to go through the ISA program first. And so they're mostly, they're, they're, heavy, they're heavy sellers. Now, we do have some OSAs that are heavy buyers, and that's just because, I mean, as you know, for being in the business as long as you have, some people are just 
you're either a buyer's agent heavy or you're listing heavy. Like everyone wants to do both. And I think that's great, but you're naturally better at one over the other. Everyone's yeah. naturally better at one. So the people that are naturally good at buyers do gravitate towards buyers and open houses and working buyer leads, but they're all equipped to go out and take listings because they had to go through that role, whether they were great at it or not. So we got 30 OSAs. Uh, we've got five showing agents. And so the showing agents essentially, uh, work for the OSAs and it's at the OSAs option. Uh, the OSA does not have to use a showing agent if they don't want to, but the, um, I gotta get that adjusted. The, uh, we just moved into this office two days ago. So it's, it's, if you're wondering why it's still working out all the bugs, <laughs> right? Um, so showing agents show homes for the OSAs and the OSAs pay the showing agents a piece of their commission if they do involve a showing agent. So we've got five of those. Um, we usually have anywhere from eight to 10 ISAs. So we'll just call it 10. I sometimes we have 12 because obviously it's always turning over either they're quitting or getting fired or they're moving up to OSA. So there's a lot of turnover in that role. And we usually have anywhere from eight to 10, 12 at the most. Now is someone in charge of those ISAs or is that you? Yeah. Great question. So we have an inside sales manager. Uh, he, he was someone that was our best, um, one of the best ISAs that had been through this system in the last five years. And he's also an OSA for the company. So, okay. So he's selling too, but he's also the leader correct. of that, yeah, that ISA group. 50% of his time is selling uh, and setting a good example there, obviously. And then 50% of his time is running the ISA team. I love, I love that he's, you know, I just got to say like, I love that he's selling because I talked to a lot of other agents that have an, I'll call it an ISA model and they mm -hmm. have, they have true ISAs, meaning they're not, like those people aren't actually ever out in the field transacting and they're never going to be. And I yep. think there's a lot of value in having that transactional experience and yeah. understanding, bringing that to that front conversation yep. that, a, that an ISA would have. Yes. Yep. hundred percent. They get, they got to know what's going on once that agent goes on that appointment and, yeah. and what's happening with the transaction and why conversion goes up and why it goes down and so forth. So yeah. So there's an inside sales manager um, and there's an operations team of, Probably, what are we up to? 30 plus 535 plus 45. Um, ISA. So there's an operations team of maybe eight, nine. Uh, and the oper and then obviously we have, not obviously, but we have a couple managers as well. And the operations team is essentially, you know, um, administration, listing manager, closing coordinator, you know, a couple field people, an on-staff photographer, um, you know, just your typical, typical team oper operations team. Cool. Uh, and now what is your, like, so what's your role? Are you still, are you still prospecting? Do you still go out on listing yeah. appointments? So I basically have three main roles. Uh, my day is broken up into three parts, essentially. Um, as you mentioned, I have a couple, I have a couple brokerages. Uh, that I'm the operating partner of. So I have some team leaders that report to me and, and I spend some time with them. I would say about a third of my time is designated to those offices. Okay. Uh, a third of my time is selling real estate. Uh, so I go on probably three, four appointments a week. Uh, not as crazy as, you know, I got up to 227 transactions closed personally myself. Uh, that was about five years ago. So I've dialed it back a little bit. I'm averaging about 100 to 110 transactions closed a year myself still. And uh, if you think about it, once you get it dialed in and you got a team, behind, a good team behind the scenes, it's really not a lot of time to sell a hundred. It doesn't take as much time as you think to sell a hundred homes a year. It's only, I mean, what is that? 10 listings a month, 
I mean, yeah. if I take 10 listings a month, I'm going to sell a hundred homes. So, uh, you know, so I'm still selling about 100, 110 myself. And then the other third of my time is spent with Glover U, which is our training and, and coaching arm. Awesome. So tell me about that. How long has Glover U been around? So Glover U has been, I would say public now for about two, maybe two and a half years. Um, but we've really been working on it probably the last four or five, you know, we created, I remember I went into a studio to create our sales system training videos about four and a half years ago. And I, and I remember I said, you know, just put the Glover U logo on and I'm like, I don't know what we're going to do with these things. I'm sure one day we're going to, you know, sell them or create a system that we publicize, but go ahead and put the Glover U stuff on it. Cause it was really just an internal sales training program for JGA. Uh, but I knew that it had value. So yeah, that, that probably started about four, four and a half years ago. Awesome. So what, uh, what was the thing that made you decide, Hey, like, let's start bringing this to other agents. Not, you know, not, not with JGA. Yep. yep. So uh, if you remember, there was a lot of talk in 2000 in uh, what is it? 19. So probably 2014, 15, 16 about expansion. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> right. Oh, avoid God, the conversation. Yep, yeah. There you go. So uh, I was paying a lot of attention to that and uh, I'm not a super math whiz and I'm certainly not an analytical or a high C by any means, but I was doing a lot of kind of just math in my head to some degree. And I just thought that it would be um, that essentially my expansion model would be through training and coaching. And, um, and I, and for me, I'm more passionate about that than I am running brokerages and it, an expansion to me felt a lot like running large brokerages or brokerages with multiple offices. Yeah. And I had already had experience with that. I saw what the Schweitzers went through when they had 16 offices in Detroit and, and excuse my language, but shit hit the fan here. Um, and I just didn't want to, 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 to take that approach. So, you know, I took the approach that to me was comfortable and uh, something I enjoyed. And, and not only that, but I really felt like the industry, needed someone or need someone to tell agents the truth about what it takes to be a great salesperson. Uh, and I thought that, well, by the way, I think that of course, biasly now more than ever, but even back then I would just sit around and, and, you know, I mean, we were in the same room a lot and I would think to myself, gosh, these guys are missing the boat in so many areas. One being, why aren't you teaching your people how to be salespeople? No matter what we do, whether it's a new technology or new marketing ploy or or, or guaranteed sale, you know, you, we could probably name all the like gimmicks and things that have been through the years. Like at the end of the day, they still are going to be competing with the best of the best. They're still going to be competing with the guy that's lived in the neighborhood for 10 years or been selling the most homes for 20. So why aren't we talking about how to develop salespeople? I never understood that. I mean, there's probably even a couple of meetings that we were in, you know, I remember you were probably there. I, I got kind of it really kind of bothered me. I'll, I'll never I know which I know which meeting you're talking about. Gary yeah. even called me out. He yeah. said, "Jeff, what what's on your mind right now?" And and I don't remember exactly what my answer was because number one, I was startled that he picked up on it. But it was something effective. Like I don't understand why we're talking taking all this time talking about A, B, or C when we really needed to be talking about how are we going to turn our people into salespeople. And so I've just been passionate about being a salesperson, and maybe it goes back to my retail background. And I just see so many fly-by-nights get into this business and in this industry that, you know, you know, ha figure something out and have a good six months or a good year or a good 18 months and, and think they got it all figured out. Next thing you know, there's a shift or something changes. And it's like, 
whatever that guy, he's gone or he's out of business. And I don't know, I'm just really passionate. Sorry, I get a little, little passionate about this topic, but um, I just felt that there was a really strong need for someone to teach sales. And um, I, I, I feel qualified to do it. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you, that's one of the things I appreciate though, is uh, you're right there. There are a lot of folks that come in and it's like a flat, you know, like a, like a flash of lightning or something. It's like, everyone's like, Hey, this person's got it all figured out. And like 18 months later, they're, they're maybe not out of business, but they don't have it all figured out. You realize, right. right? Yeah. Um, and it's because it kind of looks all flashy and fancy from the mm -hmm. outside. And that is one of the things, number one, I respect about you is that you're really clear on what's important to you in business. And to me that that's valuable. Uh, and it's important that we know that as business people. But the other thing is, to me, you bring a level of credibility to coaching. It's like, you know, I, you know, Craig Rieger well, because uh, the three yeah. of us have been in the same room together plenty of times. You know, when he launched his, his coaching company, I told him the same thing. I said, what I love about it is, it's like you're walking the walk and talking the talk. You're not someone that did this 25 years ago or yeah. even 15 years ago. It hasn't done it since. Like yep. this is, you know, for you, JGA is happening right now, yeah. uh, li literally today. And the, what you bring to the coaching world. So what you've opened up to all of the real estate agents in the country is the same thing that you're teaching the people who work inside of JGA. And that to me, yeah. that speaks volumes and yeah. we need more of that in this, uh, in this industry where there's so many people, as my coach would say, selling picks and shovels, but not actually mining for gold themselves. Yeah, no. And I appreciate you saying that. And it's, it's funny because for years and years, you know, obviously being, being in the same room, you know, everyone would like to brag about how they're out of production and how cool it is to not have to go on listing appointments or whatever. And I'm thinking to myself, like, how dumb does that sound? Like you, you're, you're, how can you possibly motivate and inspire someone to do something that you're, you can't even relate to them in, in any way. And so I always maintain that I'm never getting out of production. No way. This is, I'm, I'm never going to get out of production. But now it's funny. Now when people ask, I think to myself, darn it, I wish I could get out of production. But my response is, I can't. I can't get out of production now because that's our, that's like our pitch with Glover U, right? I'm on the ground with you every single day. I can't, I can't get out of production now. We interrupt this podcast to remind you that the NLA Live 2020 conference is coming up on April 23rd, 24th, and 25th of 2020. It is not too early to register Visit nextlevelagents.com today and click on the events link for more information and ticketing. But I mean, I really do enjoy it. And I know I'm sure, you know, if, if, if Gary were listening and he'd say, well, it's not really the highest and best use of your time, but if you can figure out a way to, to, to make it a great use, then. You know, it, you know, it's funny because I'm not, I'm not in production myself, but one of the things I appreciate about you is that you've been very clear about you should be in production and um, I think, I just, I feel like as, as agents, we need to do more of what's, uh, what's the best business model for us. Yeah. Not, not yeah. doing what everyone else, not the flavor of the week. Like you, you mentioned like expansion got so popular in like 14, 15 and 16 yeah. that all these people were doing is I had no business literally should not even have tried it. And yeah. honestly, we don't, it only worked for us. We only survived it because we got lucky with our first hire, we probably didn't have any business, but then we learned enough through, through enough mistakes. Here we are five years yeah. later, we're still going and, and it's working. But I got to tell you though, I, I've built the business around the way I want to interact with it. And so have you. Yeah. And I think yeah. so whether or not it's the best use of your time, sure. I don't know. I think we have to play the personal card into it of yeah, like, you gotta enjoy, my goals, right? You got to, you got to enjoy what you do. Right. And, and even if, you know, the whole, the whole production thing for me was about profit. Staying in production means more profit, right? So 
but I also enjoyed it. If you don't enjoy it, but there's something else that's a good return on your time that you do enjoy in this business, boom, more power to you. That's how it should yeah. be. I just was one of the weird ones that actually enjoyed it. Well, you know, that's, again, though, that's one of the things I like is uh, you've been really clear about who you are and uh, the way you operate and the way you've built your business. And I love that you brought that to coaching because you're actually coaching on stuff that you know and do, not just yeah. stuff you read about in a book. And to me, that's yeah. super valuable, man. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So, all right. So we're winding down now. Uh, you know, I've got one more question I'll, I want to uh, ask you, but before yeah. I do that, um, tell me a little bit more about like Glover U. So who is that designed for and, and how do I find out more about it? If I'm, if I'm listening to yeah. this and I'm an agent, I'm going, Hey, you know what? I like what this guy Jeff has to say. Maybe I should check out more about what he's doing. Yeah. Well, I would say there's really two parts to, to Glover U. And thanks for asking the question. Um, you know, one of the main parts and the foundation is it truly is a sales system. Uh, we teach the prospecting, the lead follow-up, the pre-qualifying, the presenting, the negotiating, right? We teach the skills that an agent needs and a team needs to succeed. Uh, and the second part of it is the team part. We're very team friendly. You know, a, a lot of teams I've found and, and I've experienced this myself are apprehensive to bring their team members to certain training events because they don't know what the message is going to be. They don't, they, they don't know what they're getting ready to expose their agents to. Yep. And I tell agents all the time, listen, let me be the one that kicks their ass. Let me be the one that teaches them the sales skills. Let me be the one that teaches them great time management. And know full, full well that the audience is made up of other team lead agents and their teams because, and I always say this, you have to remember my team is in the room, right? So I'm not going to say anything and I'm definitely not going to have panelists, you know, when our, when we do, you know, panels and one-on-one and -on -one interviews. And for those that are, that are going to end up watching or listening to this, will know what I'm talking about. I always start the, you know, the pre-call, right? We have a 20 or 30 minute call about what it's going to be about and so forth. I always start and end with this. Guys, you need to remember there's lead agents in the room and their team members are in the room. So I want you to talk to the audience as if your team was in the room because I don't want anyone to, anyone, uh, to, to fear what the content may be or what the message may be could potentially harm them or hurt their business. So I'm very mindful that, that it's, it's really meant for teams and, and it's very team friendly, if that makes sense. So if somebody wants to create some level of foundation with their business around sales, and I'm not just talking about practice and role play, right? You, ha you have to have a system for your lead generation. You have to have a system for your listing presentation. I mean, there, there's, it's more, it's more than just, scripts and dialogues, right? And there's systems and models, but it's, 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 it's for someone that wants to lay that, that foundation. And we do have some, I mean, we have several agents or, or lead agents of teams their their teams are already doing several hundred transactions, but they're, they're spending all their money and all their time on buyer leads and they want to become, they want to become great listing agents. They don't want to become great at listing property. So we, we, we have different niches, I guess, if you will, but it's really, um, you know, it's, it's very, team friendly and, and, and very, very sales system oriented. Awesome. Cool. So where, where do I go? Is it, what's the website or what's the, I would say the number one thing that people should do would probably be follow us on Facebook, follow us at Glover U and it's just G L O V E R space, the letter U. And the reason why I suggest, I mean, you could go to Glover as well. We have events and so forth, but if you follow us on Facebook, 
that's usually where I put anytime I do a video or anytime there's an objection handler or anytime there's, there's a new way to do something or a new system. Uh, we always put it on Facebook first, not everything makes a website. So I'd probably follow us there first. Awesome. I appreciate that. All right, man. So my last question for you, and I like to end most interviews with this question is what are your top three pieces of advice for kicking more ass? So that could be business, personal life, doesn't matter. Uh, but a friend or someone who maybe you're mentoring comes to you and says, Hey man, I just, I want to do better. I want to do better at life. What are your top three pieces of advice? Great. So number one, I'm going to say, have a short memory. Uh, you have to have a short memory in this business, meaning you can't dwell, you can't think about, you can't let anything in this business force you or, or allow you to take your foot off the gas. Uh, I had a discussion actually with our team just this morning about how I don't ever want to walk by your office or your desk and hear you bitching about a transaction that just fell through. Because the statement I made is, the moment you start bitching about a transaction that fell through, you also can't have your foot on the gas looking for a new one. It's not possible. So you have to have a short memory in this business. Uh, and, and, and by doing so, it allows you to keep your foot on the gas no matter what happens. Uh, so that's number one. The second thing I would say is, is exposure. The word exposure comes to mind. And I would tell someone to uh, get as much exposure as possible outside of their office. So whether it's in a Facebook group like this or whether it's going to events, uh, meeting people that are doing better than them. Uh, you, you have to have, you, you can't compare yourself to the agents in your office and many times to the agents in your town. You've got to go outside of your current environment and get exposure to people, ideas, and things that, that aren't normal to you. Uh, and the third thing I would say is probably more tactical, and that is I was fanatical and still am fanatical. Uh, my morning routine with the exception of every couple of years, cause I upgraded or approve it. My morning routine is the same every single day. I'm up at the same time every day. I do the same thing at 6 a.m. every single day, at 7 a.m. every single day, 8 a.m. every single day. And except for the phases that my business has gone through when I, when I went from being the only caller to now I'm the caller and I'm teaching other people how to call, except for those phases, my morning routine has always been the same. And so um, I, I, I don't know where this phrase came from, but, but we definitely jumped on board with it. And that is basically, um, win the morning own the day, right? If you master the morning, everything else falls into place. And for years and years, we would do business as an example, we would do business plans with our agents and I'd want to know essentially what they're doing from the time they get up until the time they're with their family. And we, we'd write out all these full long schedules of, you know, six in the morning until six at night or seven till whatever. We're so adamant about it now that we only care about the morning. So we only have the agents do a morning schedule, right? And we look at what time they get up, what time they start working and what they do until lunchtime, what their activities are until lunchtime. And they better be focused around income producing activities, meaning some, you're doing something to generate an opportunity to go present that day. And everything else gets pushed to the afternoon, so much so that I don't even care what your afternoon schedule looks like. If you master the morning, everything else will fall into place. Absolutely. Man, Jeff, I really appreciate you taking the time to spend with us today. Uh, and I look forward to the chance to uh, talk to you again in person, hopefully really soon, buddy. Awesome. Love it, my man. Thanks a lot, Jeff. All right, guys, go out, check out Glover U on Facebook. Follow Jeff wherever you can find him. He's a wealth of information. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. That's it for today's show. Do me a favor if you enjoy this. Go over to iTunes or wherever you're listening at. Leave us a review. Share this episode with your friends. And for more great content, check us out in our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash next level agents. That's facebook.com forward slash groups 
next level agents. See you soon.